what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. This podcast is sponsored by Jackson Creative, a custom communication agency located in downtown Hickory, North Carolina, specializing in online content creation. To learn more, visit thejacksoncreative.com. Jackson Creative, we tell your story. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Exchange on the Mesh Podcast Network, a monthly conversation about startups and small business with ideas, tools, and advice to operate your business more effectively on today's show. Guess what? Small business owners get burned out. Let us help you with some ideas to keep your small business stress level down. Our guest today is Clem Seifert, who is a pioneer in equity crowdfunding here in North Carolina. And we'll talk to Clem about how equity crowdfunding is benefiting both small businesses and small investors. Finally, we'll wind up with some small businesses of the month that you should be checking out. So stay with us for that. My name is Jeff Newville. I'm your co-host. I'm director of the Small Business Center at Catawba Valley Community College in Hickory, North Carolina. I'm joined by my co-host, Gary Muller, who is dean of the School of Business, Industry, and Technology at Catawba Valley Community College. Hey, Gary, how's it going? Jeff, it's going great. It's warm. It's spring. spring is coming. Spring. Yes. That's so, it's very, very exciting. I, I hope you're having a good spring. I'm having a good spring. A busy spring. A very busy spring. Well, that is a really good segue because you, know, you and I, at the, we, we like to look through articles and share articles of interest with our, our listeners. And one of the articles that I saw recently that actually made me think of you... Was, She's a lot prettier than I am in the picture. Well, we is is an article that a lot of small business owners. This was in our local paper, but it was an AP story. But it talked about small business owners who can get burned out, stressed out, and and uh, it's just very stressful. And it made me think that most businesses are seasonal, or, or there, a lot of businesses have seasonality to them. And for the dean of a college, spring is a very very busy and I think stressful time. You got graduation. You successfully shepherded the college's Skills USA program to another championship setting, record setting championship year with many, many gold medals and, and whatnot. And you just have a lot of things going, probably until the middle of May when maybe you'll be able to catch your breath. Is that a fair thing to say? That is a very fair thing to say. And I uh, each night go to bed praying that I can make it through the semester. Well, and, I, and our instructors like you and our small business center and our managers like yourself it's uh it has been a very very stressful spring a good one but very stressful well well you and i both know that uh many people start businesses because they're going they, they think it's going to give them a lot of flexibility and maybe uh more free time and then the reality of running a business owning a business hits them in the face and they recognize that uh, it's really a 24-7 job that's very difficult to escape. And, you know, you wake up in the middle of the night saying, did I do this? How am I going to make my payroll? Blah, blah, blah. It can be very stressful. People can get burned out. And I'll also throw out there that I think that many people can be perfectionists. And sometimes they're not good at letting go of certain duties because they think they can do it better. And maybe they can. Why are you looking at me? I'm not <laughs> I'll look over here. <laughs> but, uh, um, you know, yes, from, from I, a small business owner, it, 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 it can be very, very stressful yes. and it can lead to burnout. I think that is very true. And a lot of people, the first thing you said is they go into 
business thinking, okay, I'm going to have all that flexibility. I'm not going to worry about it as much as I did at my regular job when I was going 8 to 5 or 8 to 6 or 8 to 7. But at least you got to go home usually when you're uh, working for somebody else, when you're working for yourself. I know when I was doing that, and my brother's still doing it, you know, it is 24-7. So, so one of the articles that you and I were looking at had some suggestions for how to avoid burnout. Uh, and I guess we're thinking more about small business owners. And, mm-hmm. and a lot of it has to do with making sure you've got some balance in your life, which is sometimes easier said than done. But uh, some suggestions. Number one, set limits. Uh, you know, Set some time where you can turn off your phone or put away your computer and make sure that you're actually spending time with friends, family, kids, that sort of thing. But you probably have to be deliberate about it and not just assume it is going to happen. I think that midnight to 6 o'clock in the morning is a good time. That's going to be Gary time? That's midnight Gary to 6 time. o'clock? Okay. Yeah. Well, good for you. Well, as long as you're setting those limits. Uh, secondly, delegate. If your business is successful and you're able to add people to your business, you need to figure out which duties you can give up and, and, and delegate those duties. Um, to me, the third one is really the most important one and, and an important lesson in life is learn to say no. That is the, 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 two, the most powerful word that you have. Sometimes when you're a new business, I think probably often when you're a new business, you don't turn down orders. You don't turn down yeah. sales. And exactly. as you start to grow, you sort of recognize that uh, uh, not every sale is a good one. And, and at some point, you're over capacity. And sometimes it's okay to say no to people. Well, I think that's true. And I think as an early business owner or whatever new job, you don't necessarily want to say no because you don't know what the next thing is going to be coming down the path. But there are bad sales where you can type resources on something where you're not making money. And so I think that is uh, critical to be able to mm-hmm. sift through that the best way possible. And the last one I wanted to hit on, which I think is related to the saying no part, is if your demand is so high that you're having to say no, Look at your pricing because you, it might be time to raise your prices. You know, you want to make very your, good point. You want to make your life a little bit better, charge a little bit more for the sales, and and maybe take a few fewer sales, and uh, that can that can ease your your life a little bit as well. So, yeah, excellent good. advice, Mister yeah, Newville. That's why that's why I get the big bucks. But you know, so so you know, think about that. You know, learn to say no. Look at your pricing. Delegate. Make sure you're setting limits and. Just some some food for thought out there because we want our small business owners to to survive and thrive and not get burned out and and find them somewhere over the cliff. So anyway, so we're going to move on. We want to welcome our guest today, Clem Seifert. Clem, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Jeff. Gary, welcome. Thank you for having me. We're excited. Thank you for joining us today on the Entrepreneur Exchange. And and Clem is the CEO and founding partner of Cardinal Crowdfund Solutions in Wilmington, North Carolina. Uh, They provide investment crowdfunding preparation services and work with North Carolina small businesses to secure equity funding. But Clem is also the program director of Invest in NC an educational program created to inform North Carolina-based small business owners and potential investors about new opportunities to participate in investment crowdfunding under the North Carolina PACES Act. And basically, it's opened up a whole new pool of funding for 
non-accredited everyday investors as well as accredited resources and investors and uh, just provides a lot of opportunity for entrepreneurs who are seeking funding and financing and, and, and some new options out there. So, Clem, you know, welcome welcome to the Entrepreneur Exchange. Tell us a little bit about your background and tell us, uh, tell us a little bit more about what Invest in NC is. Right. Thank you. So my background, Jeff, is in business generally. I've, uh, I've, I've owned and operated my own small businesses in different uh, at, at different levels over the years. I've also uh, was an investment advisor for about 20 years. And so, um, you know, my background really works well within this industry because I, I think I have a good perspective of what companies are looking for when um, when they try to access capital. My partner, John Panachone of Logic Bay Corporation, and I, I'll talk about him in a sec, we talk about all the challenges that we've had personally uh, uh, with our own small businesses when it came when it comes to accessing capital. Conversely, my background working with investors, I think I bring a unique perspective to, to kind of know what investors are looking for in a security. Um, and so, together, John and I have formed uh, Invest in NC, which is the educational portion of what we do and our our goal is to educate North Carolina small businesses and North Carolina investors about this tremendous investment crowdfunding opportunity in North Carolina. And we've been at it for about a year. So so now talk to us a little bit about investment crowdfunding and how it's different from I guess what I would call reward based crowdfunding that that if someone goes out to Kickstarter or or Indiegogo or one of those platforms, you know, there are a lot of people starting businesses out there that, you know, if you contribute 50 bucks, maybe you get a T-shirt or coffee cup. I sort of I sort of look at it as the public radio type model of of uh, crowdfunding. So what's how does investment crowdfunding differ from that reward based type crowdfunding? That's a great question. And we get that a lot. One of the first things we do when we do presentations is generally ask what the audience knows about crowdfunding and did they know the difference in those two because it is very important. So rewards-based crowdfunding, um, you're you're making some type of donation to the company or you're pre-buying a product or lack of a better way to define that. So you're giving them money with really no expectation of return except what it is that you have purchased, the T-shirt or uh, or whatever. And, and that worked out well for a lot of companies. It may not have worked out as well for the people giving the money because maybe the product didn't come until two years later. And the greatest example of this, um, uh, and we use it uh, regularly, is a, is a Kickstarter example of Oculus VR. I don't, do you remember the uh, virtual reality glasses that Oculus uh, created and they started a Kickstarter campaign. I think it was in 2012, and they raised about two and a half million dollars from about 9,500 backers, is what they're called. And for their their contribution, they got a kit or multiple kits to create these virtual reality glasses, and it worked out great. They were the poster child for Kickstarter. Well, two years later, 2014 to early 2015. Kickstarter, I mean, um, excuse me, Oculus sold their company to Facebook for two and a half billion dollars. And so the people that backed that 
the initial campaign, they got a T-shirt. <laughs> and the founders became billionaires. So the greatest, the greatest way to explain the difference is to say that that's donation-based or rewards-based crowdfunding. And investment-based crowdfunding is, is where you actually invest in the company and you expect some type of return, whether it be purchasing equity in the company or some type of, of debt instrument as well. But there's some expectation of a return. Okay. Now, now it sounds like there was some leg- legislation passed in North Carolina, but in in your your website references the Paces Act, and I say it like I know what I'm talking about. I really don't. Uh, which which opened up investment crowdfunding in North Carolina. Is it is is investment crowdfunding just happening in North Carolina, or can the folks that are listening in other states also participate in investment crowdfunding? It's sort of a state by state situation. Right. So the the, 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 the the quick answer, it could be complicated. I'll try to do the simple answer because I don't do complicated very well anyway. Um, investment crowdfunding across the world is much more advanced than it is in the United States, period. Um, there's a lot more activity going on internationally than it is in the United States. So we're a little bit behind. The, the Jobs Act of 2012, when President Obama signed that legislation, it created investment crowdfunding as a as a national as a as a federal policy um, for companies to be able to raise money using that crowdfunding exemption. It also set up the framework for individual states to adopt their own intrastate crowdfunding rules within that framework of the Jobs Act. There are about 38 states that are now have enacted crowdfunding legislation. North Carolina, I think, was about the 30th, early 30s of states that adopted. The law was passed in uh, July of 2016. The rules were put in place in April of 2017. And then uh, as we looked into it, we realized there was no real infrastructure. So we created uh, our technology. It's called the Funding Stack Portal, and we became the first uh, authorized funding portal in North Carolina in February of 2018. Two, two things that are important to what we do, I think it's important is, uh, and this is a lesson, I guess, for all small business owners, is you don't have to know everything, but you have to know the right people, right? And so part of our team at Investing NC includes the law firm of Nexon Pruitt, uh, whose partner in this area is John Stavarla. John was a Commerce Secretary under Governor McCrory. And he was a Commerce Secretary when the law was passed. And so his team leads up our uh, securities offerings. And Rich Godfrey, who was uh, who worked for the state as a securities investigator and actually wrote the PACES rules, or was on the team that wrote them, he is a member of our team as well, uh, making sure that we follow all the rules and stay compliant with the rules. So that's where we stand right now. We've built a team of professionals around... Uh, investment crowdfunding and the laws in North Carolina. Doesn't mean we won't go to other states, but North Carolina is our focus. So are there significantly different regulations and rules between investing versus the uh, donation of crowdfunding? I mean, it sounds like there have to be, I mean, from an investment standpoint. I'm sorry, go ahead. I apologize. No, with rewards-based crowdfunding, there's no security involved, so there are really no rules and regulations. 
Exactly. But this is an exemption to existing securities law. It is, okay. So there are a lot of rules and regulations, correct. It is a legal security that's exempt from registration. Okay. So, so yes. Clem, are there certain uh, types of businesses or sizes of businesses which are, are a better fit for um, raising money through investment crowdfunding? Is it something that a, a startup business should or could consider, or, or is it a more established business? Or are there certain, I don't know if guidelines is the right word, but just a, or is it a better fit for certain companies than others? Yes. Um, yes to all your your questions. Um, the, the rules in North Carolina um, allow a company, a startup, or a company that does not have 12 months of reviewed or audited financials, they can raise up to $1 million every 12 months. If you do have 12 months of reviewed or audited financials, you can raise up to $2 million. So it can be for anyone. So startups can raise up to a million. And existing businesses with reviewed or audited financials can raise up to $2 million. Now, we think that the sweet spot for crowdfunding is about a half a million dollars to $2 million. And the reason for that is um, lots of times startups don't need a lot of money. Sometimes they do, but a lot of startups don't need uh, a half a million dollars. They need 50 or 75 or 100. I'm sure you all see those all the time. They may not be the best candidates for crowdfunding because there is some cost involved, and you want to make sure that the cost of, of your capital is, is in line. But companies that between a half a million and two million, they're kind of in no man's land. It's a large commercial bank loan. Even if you were able to meet the underwriting requirements of the bank, which most people are not, it's a large commercial loan. It's a little bit too large for angels. Uh, it may not be too large for some of the larger angel networks, but typically angels are not going to go in with a with a, a million dollars. They're more in the two hundred, three hundred thousand dollar range, and it's much too small for venture capitalists. In North Carolina, the size of venture capital deals are huge, so it falls in this in this gap that uh, that it's tough to find capital. So those businesses we think are the best candidates for crowdfunding. So if there's a problem with this investment, uh, what are the ramifications for the company and or the investors? I've gone through a private offering and then I'll going public, and I just want to know, since I know it's exempt from some of the security laws, but I, there's got to be some more liability if they don't show good financial statements or, or they do some bad things. Well, correct. And so there's a couple of different uh, things uh, there, Gary. First of all, you have to file a document with the state, a disclosure document that has the last couple that we filed were 120 pages long. And so North Carolina is a disclosure state, mm-hmm. not a merit state. So a disclosure state means that whatever it is that you do or have done or are going to do, as long as you disclose that to the investor, then that's good enough. There's no, the state regulators don't judge your business based on the merits. They based it on whether you have disclosed that or not. And clearly, um, the issuer, the company raising money, has to be truthful in their disclosures. Um, if one of the founders or someone that is, uh, that is involved in the raise, if they are what's considered a bad actor, which is someone who has committed securities violations in the past, they're out. They cannot be involved in the fundraise. 
uh, going forward, they're reporting requirements. So you do have to truthfully report to the state and your investors, and you are expected to do that truthfully. As far as the investment is concerned, though, the investment is no different than any other investment that you would buy through a public exchange. Uh, you, you may buy stock in a company that goes out of business and you've lost your money. You may lend money to someone who doesn't pay you back. That's part of the risk of investing as well. But fraud clearly is covered. You have to, you can do that. So, so from, from the uh, small business that might be using, or, or startup that might be using equity crowdfunding, I guess there's always, there's always that important distinction of understanding where your money is coming from and that if you're making a loan, you still own, you still own the company and you're required to pay that money back. If you're Correct. accepting an equity investment, you're giving up some ownership in your company. And, and I, I would assume the way that you work with companies to set this up is that that amount of ownership is determined. So it's not like someone has necessarily given up 75% of their company, but it could be they, you could be valuing at a certain rate to say, you know, 40% of your company is worth half a million dollars or something to that effect. Is that how you look at it? Correct. There, there's no, you know, because it's new, there, there's not a lot of guidelines with relation to the valuation of your company. Um, if you have a revenue of $100,000 and you want to raise a million dollars in capital and you want to sell equity and you value your company at $100 million and sell 1%, that's not going to work. And the regulators will have some say-so on that. So there's got to be some basis. But if you believe your company is worth $3 million and you're selling a million dollars of equity and, and it uh, represents a third of your business, then that's clearly fine. Um, and we do call it investment crowdfunding. We've called it equity crowdfunding, and that's technically what it is. We call it investment crowdfunding because it does not have to be equity. Equity is one form of uh, ownership or security that you can issue, but you can also issue debt. Okay. So, so if I were a small business interested in pursuing in equity crowdfunding, investment crowdfunding, you know, what what sort of administrative uh, hurdles would I have to, to get through in order to, to make it happen? Well, you have to file the required documents with the state. One of the reasons why we started our business was because that, that task is daunting. You have to start with your business plan. You guys, I'm sure you tell everybody that right off the bat. You have to start with a good, solid business plan that needs to be clear, it needs to be understandable, and it needs to be accurate and realistic. Those things have to happen. And until you've done that, you really can't do anything. Um, once you've done that, then you have to build your disclosure document, which consists of all of the disclosures to your investors, to your potential investors, and to the state. You have to have a security agreement. You have to have an escrow agreement. You have to have um, uh, an agreement with a funding portal. All of those things are required, and and frankly, we started this business because we don't think anybody can do it on their own. That technically, the law allows you to do it on your own. When we started going down that path, we said, "Hey, we'd be better off building a funding portal than we would be to raise money for a business doing something else." And so that's what we did. It's it's truly the rules were not written for someone to be able to do it by themselves. They claim they were, but they weren't, and they're written by attorneys, so that's always tough. Um, so it's a, it's, a, it's a long process, and then you apply to the state for an exemption, and then there's a little bit of back and forth. 
with the state for clarification and additional information. And then they finally, um, if you satisfied uh, their work, then you get a notice of, of exemption, which uh, legally authorizes you to sell your security in the state. So, so as, far, as far as the investors that are actually making the investments in these companies, are those are, are they making large size investments? Are we talking tens of thousands of dollars? Are we talking hundreds of dollars? Or you know, what's what's a typical investor look like, and what sort of investment is he or she making um, in these type of companies? Right, that that's a really good question, and one that I don't have a really good answer for because North Carolina still does not have a successful raise. Um, we are currently working with about nine companies that are in various stages of, of, of filing. We've got one company that went live about three weeks ago. We've got another one that we filed last week, and we've got six or seven that are close to filing. So we'll hopefully over the next several months we'll have better data. But the fact is, is that we think that, that investors will be all of those. Um, and we tr- we're doing a lot of work on the investor side because it's one thing to get co- – every company needs money. I-, I don't think you would disagree that uh, uh, there's not a lack of companies that need money. Um, so that's not really the issue. But where is the money going to come from? And what we talk about, uh, Jeff, is that investors – as a financial advisor, most investors walked into my office and while they were interested in return. Return is always what they're most interested in. The fact is, when people bought individual stocks, they may come and say, I want to buy Ford. And I might say, have you looked into Ford to see if it's a good investor? I I don't care. I drive Ford. I like Ford. Ford's not going anywhere. I'm a Ford man. I want Ford. And so the investors in investment crowdfunding need to be under that same, we think should be in that same mindset. We believe. We call them the four M's. That investors are going to be most interested in your company if they either believe in your mission. There are lots of people that believe in companies that I believe in the mission of that company. Um, or they believe in the management. You, they love you. They, they, you're, you're their friend. They believe in you. They like what you're doing, and so they're willing to make an investment. They believe in your market or your product. Like, uh, you know, people that invest in Apple. I don't know that everybody that invests in Apple is looking for some huge return. They love Apple products. They love the culture. They love the company. And then finally, the fourth thing is the money or the return. And only after they have been sold on the fact that they love your mission, they love you, or they love your market, are they going to invest and love your return. And so we believe that investors need to be trained to look for companies and people and missions that they love. Okay. Makes sense. So so if, if I'm Jeff the investor looking to invest in these type companies, where would I where would I find them? You know, is there is a certain location I should be looking for if I you know I, I can go to Kickstarter now and see different things and if, if something moves my needle I can get their free t-shirt or, or whatnot but if I'm looking to make this sort of investment where, where would I look so invest in nc.com um, in addition to being the, the educational portion and the, and the website where you can get edu- education and also will list um, all of the offerings that are currently active 
and you can click on an offering and it will take you directly to the funding stack portal to that company's information where everything is, is on there. The uh, company history, the team, what they do, how they do it, their business plan, all of those requirements and, and more. The marketing piece is on there. We call them the campus. And so it's all listed. But investing in C is where you can navigate through it too. And, and will that give you know I, I guess I'm if I wanted to go out and buy Ford stock I suspect I could go to my financial person or I could go to my Schwab account or whatever and say hey Ford is trading at you know $85 today I'm going to put in an order and buy some Ford it's at $85 is, is it similar for the companies out there <clears throat> I mean, is there a price or how does that work? Yeah so in North Carolina if you're an accredited investor which is defined as someone that has a net worth of greater than a million dollars, not including their primary residence, or has um, an annual income of greater than $200,000 individually or $300,000 jointly, and it's expected to continue, they can invest any amount that they want. Write the, a check for the whole thing if that's what they want to do. Well, I mean, that, 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 that probably fits well with Gary, but what about the rest of us? <laughs> I was going to say, right. I'm out so of this Gary, game. Gary can do that, and the rest of us, which by the way is 95% of us, can invest up to $5,000 per company per year, per 12 months, per offer. So what happens is you go to the website, you click on, you, you browse, or you're directed right to somebody that you know and like. You click on them, and then you do your own due diligence. You look at, this is what the company does, these are the people, whatever. And then when you want to invest, you click on invest, uh, our invest button, and it will take you through the process. And that process includes, um, you know, signing the required documents and disclosures and actually making your investment through uh, a wire transfer or an ETF or an ACH at this point. But, uh, no. So what happens is if it's a debt, they may say we're raising a million dollars through this debt and your minimum investment is $2,500. So you can invest any amount over that minimum amount. If it's an equity offering, it may be we're offering uh, 200,000 shares at $5 a share and you can uh, your minimum investment is $500, which is 100 shares. So that, that's how you look. But you don't set you invest. You, put, you tell them you want to invest, and that money is held in escrow until the company reaches their minimum offering. They have to set a target offering and then a minimum offering. And until the minimum, minimum offering is reached, they don't get the money. So the investor can cancel their uh, investment at any time prior to the minimum being reached. Once the minimum is reached, then the company can actually close on that amount of money and then continue to raise to the target. Um, and so you, you would invest any amount over the minimum and up to the maximum that you're allowed. And, and, and what, tell us again where people can go out and review those uh, business plans and companies. Where's, what's the website? Investnnc.com. Investnnc.com. And, that, and is, is this just for North Carolina investors? Or if I'm sitting in Virginia and want to invest in a North Carolina company, can I do that? No. It is just North Carolina Faces Act is for North Carolina investors only. And whereas you could, if you bought Ford, you had a good example, you could go to any of these various places and buy a public company. You can only buy, uh, uh, make an investment in the companies 
that we represent on our website, just as if they're on someone else's website, that's the only place you can do it as well. Cool. Well, I mean, you're, you're sort of opening up a whole new uh, funding option and, and information for our listeners, and we're very appreciative. And if you will hang on for a second, you know, we we, we have fun with our lightning round, and I, I want you to be, I want you to be part of the fun. But before I do that, Gary's on a tight schedule, and we I want him to share his small business of the month, and and he's going to have to head out. But uh, we'll we'll be right back with Clem. But Gary. Jump in and tell people what your small business of the month is this month. Okay. Well, first, um, thanks. This is very interesting. I'm really excited about learning more about it and following that I would not have done it without you. So I really appreciate that. And thanks, Jeff. This month, I'm going to highlight the historic Charleston market. The historic Charleston market. And the entrepreneurs because uh, Tammy and my wife and I uh, went to Charleston for Easter and we had a great time. We love Charleston and we thoroughly enjoy walking through the market. And it's known as the city market and has over 300 entrepreneurs. I'm always amazed going through it that how hard these folks have to work or how many hours they have to do it. And, of course, they're dedicated to whatever they're selling. But I just thought instead of doing one entrepreneur, because actually every time I go to Charleston, I come back and the next month I'm usually Mm -hmm. highlighting one as one of our entrepreneurs. And I just started thinking about them as an overall basis. For the folks that haven't been to Charleston, it's uh, right downtown like I said, there are 300 people trying to sell all types of things from handmade jewelry, furnishings, clothing, local art, the very famous symbolic sweetgrass uh, baskets. So it's just a cool place to go and just uh, part of being in the Charleston uh, atmosphere. And they also now have the night market, which is Thursday, Friday, and Saturdays, where they have another 100 talented artists and craftspeople that go through. So we love going to that. So we can go to the market all day long, which is something that Tammy loves to do. And they've got different things, like I said, that we love. The food, uh, Cali's Biscuits, which has been highlighted on our show. Uh, Tons of pralines and sweet uh, lovers uh, type items highlighted on this show is also Booze Pops. Booze Pops. I remember you're a big fan of the Booze Pops. Yes, very good. Even though I don't drink a lot of alcohol, I love the Booze Pops. We're encouraging you to, but Yes, I know. And I I think Mm -hmm. after this spring, I'll be drinking and uh, taking their popsicles more than ever before. And then another that we always buy a sign from is a fellow, it's called Island Time Signs, and he makes up sayings or follows up with sayings and things that we all laugh about. And I'll bring some for you so you can have it. Maybe it'll be your birthday present. Okay. Well. Uh, that, uh, clever things like, you know, talk about how dumb people are and uh, how smart people are and all those type things. Uh-huh. So I just wanted to highlight all of them because we took it, we walk away from the market always having a smile on our face. Well, and, and I hope it helps you avoid burnout. It does. It really does. So, or it reminds me of uh, what I ought to be doing instead. Okay. All right. Well, I, I want to make sure we got that in because I know you're going to have to run out yes. shortly. But uh, thank you for that. And I Clem, are you it. still with us? I'm here, man. Thanks, Clem. All right. Thank you, Gary. What I, we, we like to do with our guests, have a little bit of fun. We do a little bit of a lightning round here. Are you, you up for that? Absolutely. All right, because we have a sponsor. We have a sponsor this month. Uh, we're this month we're sponsored by Ned Ryerson Insurance. Whole life, home, auto, wind, storm. You really can never have enough insurance. Am I right or am I right? Make sure you're insured to your gills. Check out Ned Ryerson Insurance. Google it. Now, Clem, what people 
the listeners, we have not told the listeners that you and I know each other from college. We 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 were yeah. fr- we were freshmen at the UNC Chapel Hill together, so we 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 go back way. So so glad that we're able to uh, get together and, and share information today. So lightning round. These are quick questions. You you just give us a quick answer, whatever your gut tells you. Where's the place that you'd like to most travel to? The Caribbean. Is a hot dog a sandwich? No. Which evokes a stronger emotion in you, your love for UNC Chapel Hill or your hate for Duke? Oh, my gosh. Hate for Duke. Good answer. Uh, (laughs) Movie preference, The Godfather, Star Wars, or Harry Potter? Jaws. Okay, you went off the board, but we'll accept that. You're you're down in Wilmington, so you probably have to worry about that. Uh, the Godfather. Uh, do you prefer cake or pie? Pie. What kind of pie? Cherry pie with ice cream on top. No, good answer. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? X-ray vision. All right, there you go. Thank you for participating in the lightning round today. Well done, sir. <laughs> So one more time, Clem, if, if people want to find you, if they want to find out more about uh, investment crowdfunding in North Carolina, where should they be looking? Investinnc.com. All right. That's where you can check out Clem Seifert. You can learn more about it. Uh, you know, fairly new area for businesses, for investors. So uh, get yourself educated, and I suspect you can find Clem. He can help you with it as well. So uh, uh, we appreciate Clem joining us. I've got a a small business of the month that I'm going to share, and my small business came from Alert podcast listener Michelle, who is in Western North Carolina, and she sent me a link about a company called the Butterfly Network, which has created a new ultrasound scanner that plugs into an iPhone and could revolutionize global medicine in rural communities in Africa, Asia, and Latin America, where the nearest x-ray machine may be hours away. The handheld device they make, which is called the Butterfly IQ, is battery-powered and about the size of an electric shaver. For now, the scanners are primarily used to check for pneumonia, which is often misdiagnosed and a major killer of children in poor countries. It's a Butterfly network is based in Connecticut. Uh, its goal was to produce an affordable scanner, and it's priced at around $2,000 that is portable and is the size of a stethoscope. Uh, Their company's founder and CEO, Jonathan Rothberg, says two-thirds of the world's population gets no imaging at all. When you put something on a chip, the price goes down, and you can democratize it. It's got FDA approval and is now available to U.S. physicians, and there are plans for it to be sold in the U.K., Europe, New Zealand, and Australia this summer. So if you go to www.butterflynetwork.com. You can check them out and uh, uh, you know, give them a look. It sounds like a pretty interesting company that uh, is doing something very worthwhile. If you've got a suggestion for our Entrepreneur Exchange Small Business of the Month, you can email them to us at eexchange at themesh.tv. And if we use yours, you'll get a Entrepreneur Exchange gift package. So uh, send, us your, send us your suggestions. I want to thank uh, my friend Clem Seifert with Invest in NC and the Cardinal Crowdfund Solutions for joining us today. We want to thank the Mesh Podcast Network for hosting us. You can check out all the podcasts from the Mesh at themesh.tv. 
And you can subscribe to the Entrepreneur Exchange by visiting iTunes or many of the usual suspect uh, podcast sites. So thank you, Clem, for joining us today. And thank you for listening. And we'll look forward to talking to you again next month. Thanks very much. been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.